You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. And today, we are going to hear from a missions pastor from Toledo, Ohio. Now, before you start throwing things, because she's from Toledo, Ohio, she's like family. And uh, not so much Jessica and my family, but my family knows her. She's spent a lot of time with my parents and with my sister and her husband and uh, in, when she was working at One Hope. And we are blessed to have her. Uh, I know her pastor, uh, Chad Gilligan, and I have been friends for a long time. We used to do children's ministry together in Ohio. And our churches would, uh, we'd have retreats and just all kinds of things together, and uh, he became the lead pastor. I moved here to West Michigan, and uh, long story short, uh, Leah, she was 13 years working with the Book of Hope, One Hope. Uh, that's the organization that my parents work with, uh, if you're, uh, you've heard some of that story in the past. Uh, and then now, nine years has been the missions pastor at her church, and just doing an incredible job. And so without further ado, let's give Leah a great uh, Gateway Church welcome. Thank you so much for being here. God bless Pastor you. Pastor Ben. The floor is yours. I pre I, whoever cheered for me, I appreciate that. <laughs> Unnecessary. Um, I said to my husband today, uh, there's a girl that goes to our church. Her name's Nellie. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, we're dismissing kids. kids. You got to go to church, kids. Yeah. Sorry, my fault. My oh, you're fine. But yeah, I've got a really good friend named Nellie, and she always sits on the front row whenever I get up to speak. She always, woo! So I said to my husband, "You gonna scream for me like Nellie does?" But somebody did it for you, so that's very kind. Thank you guys so much. Um, it is an honor to be here to uh, travel north. We love this area. We love coming to visit, and you guys, you get to live here all the time. Oh, it makes it hard to, they already called and said, don't stay. You have to come back to Toledo. Um, but it makes it easy to see why people call this area home. It is so gorgeous um, and such a warm and welcoming place. So thank you so much for your hospitality. Thank you guys for inviting us and giving up the pulpit for a day uh, so that we can chat about missions. Uh, my name is Leah, and I thought my favorite thing is to get to know people, and if I could, I would make you all go around and tell me about yourselves, but they say that will take too long, and the service has to end at some point. So, uh, because I have the microphone, you get to hear about me and kind of what is happening, what the Lord has done in my life, and how I've gotten to this point. Uh, so this is my husband, James. We've been married for six years. Good job. Did you wave well? Nice. Good job. We've been married for six years, and... Um, have, uh, I don't know, been hanging out for six years, I guess. And so we uh, live in Toledo. I have the opportunity to be our missions and our discipleship pastor and kind of oversee all the things that are happening. Uh, James, when we got married, came with a son. And so he is graduating from high school in a few weeks, which is great. College, sorry, college. Don't tell him I said that. He's 20. He's in his 20s. He's graduating from college, so we are enjoying uh, kind of that season of life with him. And then we are really good aunts and uncles. So I'm Auntie Lala, Uncle James. We got four nieces and nephews that we do lots of sleepovers because then we can send them home. 
And we buy toys with batteries that light up, and then we send them home. Um, but it is a really fun season to uh, get to hang out with some littles that look up to us, and we do a lot of video chatting. Uh, but before I was married, and before we had nieces and nephews, I was just a kid living in Toledo. Uh, but if my mom asks, I did not say I lived in Toledo. They took us to the country when we were kids, and she'll say, you're not from Toledo, you lived in the country but we grew up in that area, and I was, had all the aspirations of a normal Toledo kid. I was going to graduate from high school, I guess go to college is what we're supposed to do, and uh, kind of go from there. But I am a huge rule follower, and I grew up in church my whole life. And so I, as I headed into that junior and senior year, started kind of getting annoyed with the Lord. I was not sure what to do with my life, and I'd pray, and I'd ask, and I'd beg I remember coming to the altar in youth group, you know, and be down here praying like, Lord, I just want to know what you want me to do. And I wouldn't really hear anything, but the kid next to me would be like, ah, I I know I've been called to be a pastor. I'm like, what in the world? So the next week I would, you know, go over here in his spot. Thought maybe that's where the, where the word of the Lord would come down from. But the closer I got to graduating high school, I was none the wiser. I still did not really know. And Um, sometimes us adults can be real pushy. Hey, what are you doing with your life? What do you mean you don't know? And so I kind of was a scared high schooler, and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go into business. And so that's what I did because I had told a lot of people that. And so I went to college for a couple of years, studied business, and kind of started heading that direction, but just didn't feel like that super settled peace in your heart. I ended up on a mission trip with our church to China, And through a series of conversations, meeting different people, found out that I really love Jesus a lot and I like traveling, so why not try missions, right? And so I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a pause from school. So I took a year off and went to One Hope, and then it was called Book of Hope, and did a year internship. Uh, That's when I met Pastor Ben's sister. We were um, in Florida in training, and 9-11 happened. And I had parents in Ohio who were very convinced that getting on a plane and going to another country was not the answer. Um, I was in Florida, and they were in Ohio, and so I remember very clearly being on a payphone one one day and saying to my dad, remember when you dedicated me to the Lord when I was a baby on stage at church? Are you taking me back now? Um, And I knew he was far enough away that he couldn't get me very quickly, and so I got on a plane, and I spent a year um, in 11 different countries telling kids about Jesus Um, and doing kind of all that that entails. And then I ended up back in Toledo and still kind of just wasn't sure where my footing was. What was I going to do next? And through another series of conversations and hearing from the Lord, ended up down at One Hope. Our main office was in Florida. And so I lived and worked there for a long time on staff. And I was the favorite kind of missionary that a parent loves. I lived in Florida (laughs) and did missions work. I went to school, finished school down there. I purchased a home. Like, I was planted. I was there. And I started to feel this stirring in my heart. And so I called my parents. And for those of you who are much younger than me, we used to have those phones mounted on the wall in the house. And I called and I said, Mom, put Dad on the other line. And so they both were on the phone because I had something very important to tell them. I think my dad was excited. He thought, oh, it's come. She's met a man. He's going to take care of her. She will not be my problem anymore. And I said, hey, hey, guys, hey, so I'm moving to Africa. And my dad was like, no, 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 you're not. And again, I was in Florida. He was in Ohio. He couldn't get to me. And I said, I am because you raised me in church. 
and you taught me to listen and to do what the Lord called me to do, and this is really where I think he's leading me. And so I sold my house and packed up. I stayed with One Hope, but I moved to South Africa, ran a bunch of work that we did there, and was there for seven years and um, would have a lot of teams that would come from the States and work with us. And I remember standing on this like mountainy thing one time with this team and this girl looks at me and she's like, how did you get here? How did you become a missionary? And I was like, oh, it was a complete accident. I didn't, this was not my plan. There was, I was not the kid. I love kids who are like, I, when I'm nine, I knew I'd be a missionary. Like, that is awesome. That was not me. I just someday showed up in Africa and was like, how did I get here? And all it was, was listening to the Lord and taking that next step is doing the next thing I thought I was going to do. And then it kind of led me down this path. And so seven years later, I've done all kinds of crazy things that I went places I probably shouldn't have gone and told kids about Jesus. And I started feeling this stirring again. I would come back to Ohio uh, usually about once a year to raise funds and visit people. And I would drive around Toledo and I'd be like, oh man, we could do something over there. Oh, look at these people over here. These people could like really use some help. And we had a missions pastor at the time at our church and I'd send him an email. You know what you should do in Toledo? Here's 13 things I saw when I was home. And he'd be like, leave me alone. You live in Africa. I was like, this is so rude. I am trying to show you the work that you should be doing for the Lord in your town. So I'd send another email. Hey, just went to a conference and here's three things that I think would be fantastic in your town. And he was like, stop emailing me. You live in Africa. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And so again, through a series of conversations and some things that happened and the way that the Lord started leading, I ended up back in Toledo. It was not on my radar. I don't hate Toledo. Like, I love it. It's a great place. But when you're gone for 13 years, you just kind of figure you're never going to go back, right? Like, I'm going to end up somewhere else. And so there I was, back in Toledo, and looked at Pastor Chad and said, I'm here. So we can either do something cool together, or I'll go to another church, or I'll volunteer a lot. But if you, if you bring me on staff, like, we'll do some cool stuff. And so they let me come in and really start our outreach program for the first time. I always tell people, if you're ever going to get a job, be the first one. Because no matter what you do, people are like, this is amazing. I'm like, all I did was put us in red t-shirts. You know what I'm saying, Sarah? (laughs) But we've been able to go into our city. We call ours Love the 419. 419 is our area code when you're dialing one of our phone numbers. Um, but it also reminds us that First John 4:19, we love because he first loved us. And so we work with foster care and we have partner schools and we collect things and give things away all so that people can know about the Lord. And so that's kind of where my journey began back in the States, back in Toledo, back at Calvary. Um, we are an amazing church who has a heart for missions that is, that is not for me. It's a legacy that has been there for decades and decades. We just celebrated our 68th birthday, and it is something that people long before me started instilling in our church, and I just have this complete honor to kind of champion it right now and to guide it, and so it is an honor to be there. It's an honor to be a part of what's happening in Toledo, but as like that missions person, as the one that beats the drum for missions, I always kind of feel this tension, I feel this tension because I want us to celebrate missionaries for the amazing work that they do, the places that they go, the things that they do to celebrate them. 
good job missionaries, this is amazing. But I also feel this tension that like, they're just like you and me, right? They have whiny kids, I've met them, real whiny. They've got dirty dishes at home. Man, missionaries are just like you and me. They've got fears and insecurities. They're wondering if they're doing the right thing. Is this really what God called me to do? And so I feel this tension between those two as we celebrate them, but help us to remember that they're just like you and me. But the thing that it boils down to, the thing that is the biggest difference, and I was telling Joe earlier, you stole my line, but the difference is they said yes. They said yes when God asked them to go far, far away and to make disciples. They said yes when he asked them to pack up their whole life and to move to a place they've never maybe even seen, to speak a language they've never even heard. They said yes when they were told that they needed to say see you later to all their friends and family and to go somewhere and make a new home. But being a missionary should not be a profession. Being a missionary should be something that is part of my very identity as a Christ follower, as a Christian. And it reminds me of this quote that we hear from a very famous minister, Charles Spurgeon, and he said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. That hurts a little bit, huh? And so my question for all of us today is what are we going to say yes to? Now, I obviously am not from your church. I don't come here every Sunday, and so I do not know you guys. And it's very possible, it's very possible that this room is completely full of people who are working on being a foreign missionary. You've sold all your goods, you've packed up your house, you're going to be leaving the country soon. So if any of you are those people, this message is not for you today, and so you can just slip out, go to lunch early, beat the crowd. But a sneaky suspicion would tell me that most of us would still be sitting here in this room, that most of us are not currently packing up our goods, giving away our things, and moving. So if you're sitting here, that means that you are saying yes to being a missionary right here in your own city, that you are choosing to be a light right here in your town. So today we're going to grab our Bibles. We are going to go to Matthew 5. And we're going to flip open to the verses 14, 15, and 16 and read about what it looks like to be a light in our town. You are, light, are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you speak to us so clearly. And today I pray that as we sit here together, Lord God, that you would just stir our hearts. Lord, that you would awaken us to what breaks your heart, that we would hear from you so clearly today. We give you this service in Jesus' name. Amen. I can see that your church is super passionate about missions. I told them earlier, you don't walk into a church that has a whole, you know, map of the world on the wall and go, I don't think they understand missions here. You guys are a passionate people for missions. Last month, you guys did your Matthew 25 challenge. 
Does that not stir your heart for the people of the world? And how many of you guys adopted a kid from Tanzania in the last couple of weeks? All of your families have grown. It is so cool to see what the Gateway is doing when you talk about missions. But often, I think as us comfortable Christians, we read these verses with a focus. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I feel like we focus on that part a lot, right? To the ends of the earth. Over there. Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all nations. We kind of like circle and highlight the all nations part, right? Oh, yes, Lord. We have to go and tell the people in all the nations. But when he said to go and make disciples, it says nowhere in the Bible, only the places where you need a passport to go. Right? But I think as we talk about missions, that tends to be your focus. And don't get me wrong, people need to go far. There are countries and people groups and worlds out there that do not know who Jesus is. And so we as Christians, we need to go far. We need to have those passports. We need to go to other countries. But going far away isn't the only answer. And so for those of us who are sitting here in this room right now, you need to learn to, we need to learn to live our lives every day as a missionary. Right here where God is placing you, we need to learn to say yes, to be a light, and to live missionally. But how do we do this? How do we live our lives as an everyday missionary right here in the Lakeshore region? How do we do this? I tend to be a problem solver, a planner. Uh, I tend to be a, let's make a plan and put it into action. And if a spreadsheet is involved, oh, I'm a happy person. And so today, I wanted to give us three really easy things that we can remember when we know that God has called us to be a missionary right here in our own space. And so the first one is, we are going to grow relationships. One of the most powerful forces in the world are relationships you all can think of somebody right now that has done something stupid because of a relationship, right? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's the person sitting next to you. But relationships are a powerful force in our world. We look at the impact of Jesus and his 12 friends, those relationships that he had, and look at the impact that they have had in our world. Jesus didn't run a school. There wasn't a building with a sign above it that said, like, you know, Jesus' school of ministry he just did life every day with these guys and then trained them and empowered them to build relationships with other people. And it changed the whole world. John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if we are truly his disciples, we will want to go into our world, into our community, into our neighborhoods, and build relationships. You know, the thing is, is that we interact with people all day long, right? Whether you're bumping into somebody in the grocery store, or driving your car down the road, or being at your job, we interact with people all day long. But it's about taking those relationships and being intentional, 
I think of the, those of you that have little kids, you go to school and there's like that drop-off pickup line, you know? There's like a whole, I've picked up kids for some friends and it's like a whole, it's like a whole world in its own. You have to like have a map and you have to have a passport actually to get a child. It's illegal. Do not go pick up someone else's child without their permission. You will not be at church next Sunday. But what if instead of driving through the line and waving nicely at the lady who kind of like holds up the stop sign or scurries the kids across, what if you went and parked your car and got out and walked your kids into school, chatted with the secretary for a few minutes, and stopped by the lady in the parking lot and said hi, maybe brought her a coffee, told her your name, asked her about her family, or what if the neighbors that you live nearby, I know that we're all kind to our neighbors, right? But what if the neighbors that we live by, instead of just waving, hey, Bob, how's it going? You know, happy spring, and keep on moving. What if you said, hey, Bob, why don't you guys come over for dinner? And then what if the conversation went outside of sports and the weather, crazy weather we're having, Bob? You know, what kind of, what kind of grass seed you using, Bob? But what if our conversations went a little deeper than that? We can be everyday missionaries just by showing hospitality, by doing life together, making a point to meet new people, and investing in those you already know, in your coworkers, and your family members, in your neighbors, even your lawn guy. Invest in those relationships that the Lord has put in your life. And I'm talking more than just like adding them to your friend list you know, maybe on social media or my mom's got like an actual paper list still of like, you know, the people that <laughs> she interacts with. It's more than just adding them to that list, but it's having a relationship, being deliberate to stay present with those people. What if when you went to your next Little League game, you put your phone away and instead of looking up and down quickly, good job, good job, Billy, that you interacted with the other families along the edge what if you invited people outside of your circle to your parties? <laughs> Here's a harder one. What if you said yes to the parties you were invited to that are outside of your circle? It's graduation season. I already said to James, we're getting all these invitations for kids who I'm like, ah, oh, we don't need to go to that one. Mm -mm, mm -mm. That one's not in our circle. But what if James and I said, yes, we're going to go to that one, and in, we're intentional about building relationships with people outside of our circle? And this is an easy challenge for those of us who are extroverted, right? I can see you introverts right now kind of twitching. Like, oh, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. What is she talking? Hester Ben, get her off the stage. Because as introverts, this is a scary thing for many reasons. But we cannot allow our personality to be a crutch. God created you just the way you are, but he didn't do it so that you could stick your head in a pile of sand and hope that people would <laughs> go away from you. He made you exactly how you are. So find ways to slowly stretch yourself. Find an extrovert to be friends with. They'll haul you along. That's what James married me. I say, come on, buddy, let's go. And he's like, I don't want to. <laughs> find an extrovert and they'll drag you kicking and screaming along the way. But let the Lord stretch you and change you. And then once you start that relationship, help it to grow. I do not do well with plants. I do not have the green thumb that people speak of. I think I've been banned from several greenhouses in my area. Because 
you know, they have return policies at some of these places, and they're like, you, we will no longer return your, your dead plants. This is your fault. But I know that you gardener types out there, those of you who grow beautiful flowers, you know that it takes a lot of things to make a plant grow. It takes making sure that the, the soil is healthy and right. It takes giving food to the plant. I did not know. No idea. It even it takes watering those plants at the right time. There are so many things that you need to do to grow those plants, whether it's your vegetable garden or your, you know, ferns or your snake plants in your house. There's a lot of things that we do to make those things grow, and we need to do the same thing in our relationships. So as you grow those relationships, look for ways to incorporate your faith. Look for ways to offer to pray for somebody when life gets tough. Look for ways to be willing to be vulnerable with people. One of the greatest ways that we can reach people and expect them to be vulnerable with us is by opening our heart, taking those walls down, and make a goal to move those relationships from casual to close, close friend. The Bible does not say you, uh, they will know you, me by the perfection of your theology. Nowhere does it say that doesn't say they'll know me because you've memorized the whole scripture and can quote it from front to back. But what it says is they will know me because you have perfected relationships. Because of the relationships that you invest in, our goal is to be a light in someone's life so that they can see what the Lord has done in my life and they can praise him for it. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're going to grow relationships. And then the second thing we're going to do is we are going to impact our community by growing respect and love for our communities. Love is a process. They say this phrase, love at first sight. You know this phrase, right? It's a lie. Love at first sight. I, if I have a friend who says love at first sight, I usually look at who they're married to and think, there's no way. There's no way you had love at first sight. I think it's more like love at first. I need to get to know you. Make sure you have no skeletons in your closet. Make sure you have a job and that you can make me laugh. This is what love actually is. It's the process of getting to know somebody. It's the process of falling in love with somebody. And I think the same thing can happen in our communities. It's very easy to wake up one morning and be like, I hate this place. It's not nice. I can think of a lot of reasons to not love Toledo. I can think of a lot of potholes that I drive over every day to go, this is a horrible place. What are we doing here? There's no Lake Michigan in our backyard. We have that gross Lake Erie. <laughs> Half the year we can't even swim in it because there's too much algae in it. So there's a lot of reasons to not love something, but growing respect and love for our community, we have to take the time to get to know our cities. We have to take the time to learn about the cultures. We have to take the time to find out what is happening there and who lives here, who calls this place home. Mark 12 31 says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's really easy if you have a nice neighbor, right? But all of us probably live on a street or in a complex somewhere where there's that guy <laughs> down the street, across the way. When missionaries move to another country, they spend years doing this. 
They spend time to learn the language, to learn the culture, to understand how the people think and how they act so that they, as Americans, don't come in and make a mistake, don't do something that's not culturally sensitive. They take time to learn about the government and what the church has done in the past and what the church is hoping to do in the future. And so they dig in and grow a heart for this place that the Lord has called them. As everyday missionaries to this town, why don't we do the same thing? As everyday missionaries to the place the Lord has planted you, why are we not digging in, getting to understand the culture, getting to know it more so that we can be a catalyst for change? I think it can be easy when we've grown up in a place to just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, oh, I already know all about my town. I already know what's happening here. But there's that surface level, and then we need to go down to the deeper level. I remember as I worked in South Africa, I would travel out and work in a lot of the villages, and I would sit in the schools and talk with the principals, and I would ask a lot of questions because it wasn't my town, it wasn't my village, it wasn't my country. And so I would ask questions to understand what was happening in the kids' lives. What happens at home? Why do we do this? Why don't we do that? And there was lots of issues that these kids would deal with. There was tons of child-led homes where the oldest person in the house is 12 years old. There's no parents to see, nobody there to help them. You have kids who have a lack of education, a lack of food, a lack of social support. You have kids that have no hope for the future. And it broke my heart for these villages. Like, oh my goodness, we have to do something for these kids. And then a couple of years later, when I'm living in Toledo and starting to do work in our community, we have a really unique situation where our superintendent of our Toledo schools is a Christian. And so for many years, he has thrown the door open and said, I want every school to have a church partnership. And I'm like, we, guys, we got to go. We've got to do this because who knows who the next superintendent will be? Who knows what the next decisions will be made? And so I've sat in many principal's offices and said, hey, tell me about the kids that go to your school. Tell me about these families. Tell me about this little neighborhood. Like, what's happening here? And I don't know that shocked is the right word, but I sat there and I listened to them say, they have no parents. They have no food. They have no education. They have no social support system. They have no hope for the future. And I thought to myself, well, that's odd. Because when I sat in the villages in South Africa, these were the exact same problems. And I used to get on an airplane and fly 16 hours to get to South Africa. And now I'm driving 16 minutes down the street to an elementary school, and the problems are exactly the same. The results might look a little different at the end, but these kids have the exact same problems. And so as I heard this, as I learned about this, it started to break my heart for our city. It started to grow my love and respect for what these teachers are doing and what the principals have to deal with just to get the kids educated and to get them graduated and to hopefully help them find a future. And I thought, gosh, how can we not love our city because of the mess that it's in? And I knew, I learned very quickly that I couldn't come in with like my ministry guns ablazing, right? I got, a, I got an answer for you. I already know all the answers. Let me tell you what to do. I had to come in with a heart of respect and a heart of love for my community so that they would be willing to listen to what we had to say. And so we pray. We get on our knees and we intercede for our cities. We intercede for our school districts. We intercede for our communities. And we pray and we pray. 
And when we see needs every day in our cities, instead of complaining about them, we pray for them. And then as a church, we're going to advocate. We're going to stand in that gap and do what others cannot do. Matthew 25, you guys know this, what we do for the least of them. Proverbs 31, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Our communities are full of people who need someone to walk alongside them. Our foster care system, our refugees, our homeless, our abused, our widows, our special needs. The list can go on and on and on. And so we need to step into that gap and we need to be an advocate for what needs to be done. And then lastly, we're going to serve. What you guys do here with Go Serve is unbelievable. So there's no excuses. Oh, I didn't know what to do. I'm sure Sarah has stood up here more than once and said, I need help. I need volunteers. So you're going to serve your community and you're going to find ways to partner with what's happening. And then most importantly, you're going to be consistent. You're not going to check off that once a year box, right? Like done. I can pack up my my little serve shirt, and I'll get it out again next summer or next winter, and you, not even once a month. You're going to learn to let this be the way that your life functions on a normal basis. You're going to live a life that blesses others, and this is how we're going to grow respect and love for our community. So we're going to go back to it again. Matthew 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So as everyday missionaries, we are going to grow relationships. We are going to grow respect and love for our community. And then finally, we're going to grow roots. We are going to be planted right here where the Lord has placed you. Growing roots takes work, right? It's hard to grow roots. I think if we think about it, really start processing, why do I not want to grow roots here? There's fear of rejection, fear of being hurt, fear of missing out on something that's happening over there. I don't know about you guys, but like my social media is constantly showing me all the cool things happening somewhere besides where I'm at, right? Oh, why aren't we over there? Why don't I live in that town? Oh, my friends moved here. I should go there because that looks really cool. And we as a community, we as a world, a country, have become so transient. The statistics tell us that Americans will move 11.7 times in their lifetime. That's a lot of yanking up your roots and, you know, getting out of Dodge. That's a lot of going to a place where the grass is greener on the other side. My social media every week tells me, like, you know, I don't know if you guys get this in yours, like 10 cities that you should be living in. Toledo's never on that list. Not at all. Not at all. Ten towns that you should never live in. Toledo usually makes it on that list. My favorite is best places to live if you want good ice cream. You know, there's all these things that we see, and it can start to create this spirit of discontentment in our life that we don't really want to get too planted. We don't really want to be there too long. I was telling the the group before you guys that on Saturday, yesterday, we had a kind of like a board retreat at our church, and a gentleman came in and spoke, and he talked about how when they first moved to Toledo, his wife said, listen, don't make eye contact with anyone at the elementary school. We're not staying long. 
they've been there for 25 years now, so I think they started making eye contact. But it's this idea of like, okay, we're going to go here, but don't be trying to like make friends and stuff, you know? Like we got to be ready to go at any moment because what if there's something better in that town? What if there's something over there that we need to do? But what if we allowed God to change our outlook? What if we allowed God to help us to see the place that we are as the place that he called us? What if we allowed God to change our outlook so that the place that we lived was our mission field, the place that the Lord has planted you? And so in case you didn't hear me the first couple times, we're going to go back to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 15. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. We need to plant ourselves so that we can give light to everyone. It talks about a stand in this verse, but I think of it as being planted on that stand, putting your roots down. And if we start to build those big, deep roots and we stayed, we stayed here in this place that the Lord has called us, and we made sure that we did not think we were here by accident, I know that the Lord would use us because he has a plan and a purpose for each one of you in this moment. He has a plan and a purpose for your family in this town, in this community, to make a difference and to impact this world that we live in. And putting down roots isn't just staying there, but it's digging in. It's being committed. It's building those relationships and learning to love those all around you. And when we build those roots, when we dig those roots deep, you know what it can do for us? It can bring life to our community. It can bring stability to our community. All these healthy Christians who are here in our community, loving other people, bring stability to our community. And we can see growth come to our community because we as individuals and as a church have said, this is where we are going to plant our roots. This is where we are going to be an everyday missionary. We're going to get out and we're going to walk. We're going to say hi to people when we do it. We're going to volunteer, find places that need help and fill that gap. We're going to be visible in the hard times. Life isn't perfect. And when our towns go through hard times, our church is going to show up. Our church is going to be the first ones there when there's a fire or when the school has an issue, when the neighborhoods are falling apart. Our church is going to be there. And the cool thing is, is we don't even need to know what to do. We don't have to have a plan, although it's really nice if you have a plan, especially if it's on a spreadsheet. I'm just saying. But we don't even need to know what to do. Because Hebrews tells us this, Hebrews 13, 21. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. So we grow relationships. We grow respect and love for our communities. And we grow roots. And we do all of this so that others can hear the good news so that others can hear the gospel. I don't know about you guys, but I really love a good fair. Do you guys have any good fairs around here? I love a good fair. Uh, the county, not our county, our county doesn't have a nice fair, but the county next to us has an amazing fair. It's the county fair that I grew up going to my whole life as a kid. I like fairs so much that one year I called my mom and I was like, I gotta come home from Africa. I've gotta go to the fair. I miss that vanilla shake. Oh, come on. So good. And I love our fair. 
And when you go to the fair, you know, there's the rides and there's ours has the animals still, you know, all these things, the food, the games, all these things. But we have this little building that you walk through and you see all the vegetables that people have brought to the fair. I've never had anything in that darn. <laughs> I can't grow. I can't keep a succulent alive. But you've got the people who grew like, you know, the most round, perfect tomatoes and the giant watermelons, all these really cool things that people have taken time and have grown and I did some research, and I found that the, if, you like, if you like the giant vegetables, don't come to my fair. you got to go to Alaska. you got to head north, go to Alaska. And so this last year, Dale Marshall won the giant pumpkin contest. So I brought a picture. This pumpkin's name is Cookie Monster. Guys, this thing is ginormous. That's Dale back there with the hat on. He's had giant pumpkins for several years. I'm excited to see what his 2023 pumpkin looks like. It's coming up. But this pumpkin, his name is Cookie Monster. He weighs 2,147 pounds. Oh, that's a big pumpkin, guys. I don't think the building at our fair is even big enough for that pumpkin to go in. But do you know... Like, Dale didn't just, like, wake up one morning, run down to Meyer, and grab a packet of pumpkin seeds and, like, toss them in the ground, right? Like, that's not what Dale did to get Cookie Monster in, in all of its glory. Dale had to do a ton of research. He had to figure out, like, how and when and why and what are the best seeds. Like, he had to figure this out. He had to do a ton of research. And then he had to take care of this pumpkin. I don't think Dale, like, went on a cruise this year, you know? He had to be out there every day, like, checking it, making sure it's okay, you know, getting all the bugs away. He had to protect it. I'm sure there's more than one bunny rabbit or deer that wandered through his yard and was like, this looks like a good guy. And he was like, this, no, this is going to be the giant pumpkin winner. So he did all of this work. But the first thing he did do was he had to plant that seed. And so although it takes work to do the research, and although we have to protect it and take care of it, the first thing is you got to plant the seed. And that is the same thing for us as we are everyday missionaries. We have to take that first step and plant the seed, and then there's work to be done. Growing the relationships, growing respect and love and a heart for our community, growing roots, but all of that is just taking one small first step. But when we plant those seeds, we will see fruit in our life. We will see fruit in our community. We'll see fruit in our church and our families. And so my challenge to you today is to plant that seed, to say yes, and to see how God can use you. When he called us in the Bible and told us to go and make disciples, it was not for a select few. Like I said at the beginning, it was not a job description for a few people. It's for me, it's for you, it's for the whole church. We are called to be missionaries every day right here at home because if we don't, how will they ever know? Romans 10, 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard and how can they hear unless somebody goes and tells them? And that is our job as everyday missionaries. Pastor Ben, I would love if you would come and pray with us and challenge us as a church of what our next steps could look like. That's great. Pastor Lorraine, Leah Lorraine, thank you so much. It was super practical. Come on, let's give her a hand. 
I am telling you, this is not a message that we can just uh, kind of bookmark and never go back to. This is a message that calls us to action. And what I'd like to do in these next couple moments, and we'll, we'll be wrapping up here quick, I want us to start by just bowing our heads and closing our eyes and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us in regards to this message. Where did you get that peak in your mind saying, boy, I could do something about that? Maybe it's around that growing relationships, maybe being intentional, showing hospitality, meeting new people, or maybe it's that respect and love for the community that you're in. Man, it takes time. And I was thinking, when we start to pray for something or someone, our heart grows for it. Maybe the Lord is just calling you to pray for where he has placed you. Or growing roots, being planted. The ultimate is that we would bring life to wherever we go. And what I'd like us to do uh, is I'd like for you to consider what is it that God is leading you to? What will you say yes to in this season? What will you say yes to in regards to you being the light of the world? Not 10 things. Let's just think about one thing. And when you identify one thing that you could say yes to in regards to your witness and your effectiveness in this world, I'm going to ask that you just stand right where you are and just begin to ask the Lord to help you in those areas. So just ask right now, Lord, where could I make a difference? What could I do? Where could I say yes? Yeah. Once you have that, just stand right where you are. And we're, we don't need to rush through this. Just ask the Lord, just God, speak to my heart. What's a takeaway from this message that I can put into action? Hospitality, being intentional, respect. Maybe you're in a season of transition. Like my wife and I, we we're saying, okay, we've raised our kids. We kind of had a built-in before with with uh, parents and, and activity. What is it now? God, speak to our hearts. Where could God use you? When you have that idea, I just want you to stand right where you are. Because God wants you, no doubt, to bring life, to be the light of the world. We're going to end with a song. It's a commissioning song. And in the song, it really speaks to us putting our faith into action. It actually talks about, says, come join the song of all the redeemed, that we get to participate with the Lord to make an impact. I want all of us to stand and let's sing this song with gusto. Pastor Bobby, bring us to a close. Amen. that you brought us from death to life. 
Lord, that we are living as healed, whole, forgiven, saved, redeemed people, Lord. Lord, and just as light is something that radiates, Lord, sound is something that radiates as well. And Lord, let that message, let that song of the redeemed radiate from us, Lord, as we leave this place into a world where people hear voices and sounds that tell them they can't. That they hear messages that they're a failure of their shame, of their sin, Lord that we are carrying a message of hope, of forgiveness, of healing. Lord, you have called us a light to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let us not be people who stay silent, who refuse to spread our light. Lord, that you have called us to be disciples who are making disciples, Lord. So let spiritual maturity not just be something I use for my own self-worth, Lord, but let spiritual maturity look like duplication. Let it look like me pouring myself out into others. Lord, that you are sending us, commissioning us as your missionaries onto the lake shore. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in us. Lord, and pray now that you would work through us, whether it's in Tanzania, whether it's in Toledo, whether it's on the lake shore or anywhere else, Lord. And we give you all the praise, all the glory and the honor as you go before us, behind us, and all around us. It's in your name that we pray and all God's people say, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Amen. You guys can go in the grace of God. If you are interested in running the Grand Rapids Half or Full Marathon, meet us up here in the front, but we hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.